there, and welcome to the Punished and Played podcast. We're the sometimes funny, sometimes analytical podcast all about board games and the unique experiences they create. I'm one of your hosts, Sean Rose. I'm joined by Jonathan Baker. Hello. Try harder. Oh, yes, master. Yes. <laughs> and Clint Broadbent. <laughs> Hi, guys. <laughs> Don't hit me. <laughs> So this is episode number 17 of the Punch and Play podcast, and we're going to be diving back into the idea of planning a themed board game night. But first, I wanted to kind of check in with you guys and see what you've been playing recently. We, we played a game of Alt Wars, got this the other day after playtesting this game, and played it with my two boys. It's, it's a blast. I'm not crazy about auction games, but it really works, and it's very quick. I love that about it, and it's a lot of fun. Also, another John Gilmore game. Got to play Dead of Winter with my wife and my oldest son the other night. Ended up we did not have a betrayer. We had to empty out two of the locations. We got down to the last round, had one card left in one of those locations that we needed to empty out and win, and we lost. And it was a little bit sad. Do you feel like it's impacted your your love of the game at this point? Uh, uh, Dead of Winter's dead to me now. Oh, Oh, dear Lord. Okay, well... I but Vault Wars is great. <laughs> Jonathan has a little bit of gaming bipolar disorder. You know, he's really hot or really cold. What have you been playing recently, Clint? Um, you know what? I actually had a couple good... Gaming's been a little tight lately. You know, school's ramping up and all the projects are starting to come in and the deadlines are stacking up. But I've been able to sneak away and play a few games. The couple, I actually got to play a really an older game and actually a newer game. And it was really fun to kind of contrast uh, both of the both of the games. I got to play Pirates Cove by Days of Wonder, which was kind of a it's an older game. It's one of the first games that Days of Wonder put out. It's about pirates going to different islands, building up their ships, trying to gather treasure and gold, and burying it on Treasure Island. It's kind of a simultaneous go to a certain spot, and if you guys go to the same spot, you duke it out. I've actually, this is the second time that I've played Pirate's Cove. The first time I played Pirate's Cove, I really didn't like it. It was really interesting because, like I said, I was super hot on Days of Wonder. And I was like, Pirate's Cove is going to be amazing. And I really, I got one of those bad, like the death spiral of like, I just got kept getting kicked in the teeth. And then I couldn't go to a place I was trying to, like, I was even out thinking myself. I was like, well, no one will go here. And, of course, the guy with a bajillion cannons went there and just blew me out of the water. And back I went to Shipwreck Cove. I got to play it this time. And I think it really worked in my thing. I got a couple of lucky card draws. And I got really powerful really fast. And so instead of the one kicking the teeth, I getting my teeth kicked in, I was the one that was kicking in people's teeth. I had more fun this time I got play because I was the one that was kicking the teeth, but there were still some mechanisms that just, it's just not very generous. There's not a really big catch-up mechanic there. It's kind of the rich get richer mechanic. I drew, like I said, I drew really well, and so we got to like, I took on like the biggest boss, and there was a lot of cheering, and we had, the, the experience was great, and actually the score was pretty tight, but again, I just felt bad for my wife was playing. She was the one getting her teeth kicked in. She was good sport about it, but I still think that games have kind of come a long way since then. I don't want to play any games with Clint if I'm going to lose all my teeth. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, there was a lot of there was a lot of teeth kicking. I have Pirates Cove, and I'm always looking for the pirate experience in a board game. 
Mm-hmm. And the one pirate game for me was always Merchants and Marauders when it was first announced. Years of waiting, I'm like, oh, this is going to be the pirate game. And it's a fantastic game. It's just, it's a very long game. So I need to try Pirate's Cove again, because I think it might be a lighter game. Still get that experience. But I, I can definitely see what your concerns are with the rich get richer mm-hmm. side of things. I'd play it again, but it's not one that I would ask to get to bring out. Uh, I think there are better pirate games out there. So that was kind of my thing. Also, I was able to get out the new hotness. I got Flick em Up, and I was able to get that out and play with that. And wow. It was a ton of fun. My biggest, my big thing was it. It's, the whole idea is that you have the good guys and the bad guys, and you have different scenarios and different goals that you're trying to accomplish as you're going through. Really simple, like it's not complicated. I was able to teach the game in in five minutes. Really, the setup took longer than the instruction time, but we played it all different types. Like my wife played, a couple young kids played, um, some older and their parents played. And it went over really well. The boy that had played, who loves games, asked the next day and told his parents, it's like, can Clint come over again and bring Flick him up? I want to play again. It was a fantastic game. Of course, I, I got it you know, online, which makes it cheaper. But it's, ex- it's an extremely expensive game. But it is a fantastic game. I kind of put it in the tumbling dice type uh, experience of that tumbling dice is a 70 or $80 purchase for a, a pretty basic game, but basic doesn't mean that you can't have a ton of fun with it. Yeah. And I really, I think we really had fun with it. I'm excited to get it out again. And so I, I give it a really big two thumbs up. Excellent. What if I suffer from flicking deficit disorder, like someone that shall not be named at this table? <laughs> I, I thought it was pretty good. I think that we were really kind of loose with the flicking rules. But like, I think my wife doesn't like to do, doesn't like the flicking games. She quite liked it. And since you're working as a team, there wasn't as much of the frustration if you had a bad shot. You were working as a team, so you were able to kind of root on your friends, even if you weren't a great flicker. What if my friend uh, loses horribly to five-year-olds in pitch car? (laughs) (laughs) You're asking for a friend? It's for a friend, yes. Yeah, it's for a friend. Uh, it, it really is. I think it's it's basic enough and it's short enough that if you have a, if you're not a great flicker, you can still really enjoy the game. Yeah, and flicking deficit disorder, we call it foop for short. The sound that your finger hit the table. <laughs> it's better than using actual words. Yeah, <laughs> choice it, words. It looks like a great game. Lots of wooden pieces. Production value is through the roof. It really gives you a feeling like you're in the Wild West. They have some things that you could tell that the person that designed it like had some tender, loving care. They're like, wow, this is a great idea. I really, like I said, it is expensive, but I don't for once believe that I got everything I paid for in the box, for sure. So my, the flicking game, I obviously pitch car. I like that one quite a bit. There's a big setup with that. So if like the setup was a little bit less... Then you have to build the track and all that. I mean, the setup's a little bit easier with this game. There are a lot of little bits. Okay. I mean, so I mean, you're setting up the buildings and you're putting out like the hay bales and the and the the each of the persons and you're putting a hat on. Mm-hmm. I mean, the setup did take I'd say probably about ten ten minutes and teaching was about five minutes. Another game that comes to my mind is rampage or what's called now terror in maple city mm-hmm. that's kind of my go-to flicking game sort of i mean how do you feel like it compares to to that one um i it has less rules and okay. for better or for worse i like it better because like i said it is this is a game that you could no one that somebody that hasn't played games ever you could teach it 
five minutes and they and they have the gist of it and i think that's kind of the niche that it fills i think that it really fills that niche of being a great gateway game gateway dexterity game yeah i i love those dexterity games like that i just i'm getting to a point where i don't get to pull them out that often so I, I would love to try flick them up to really see if it's one that I would feel compelled to own. Yeah. The one game I've been able to play recently, I, I got my Kickstarter version of Vault Wars. I haven't got to play it yet, but I got the deluxe coins, and they're fantastic. They're, they're wonderful. So I'm really looking forward to being able to play the game with those fancy coins. But I did get Tiny Epic Galaxies, and I got an opportunity to play that with a few guys during our weekly game night. And it's a lot of fun. I, I had not played Tiny Epic Kingdoms or Defenders. Just the theme didn't intrigue me as much. I know that, Clint, you had kickstarted the Kingdoms one. Is that right? Uh, yeah, Epic Kingdoms, yeah. How is it, Clint? Uh, it's still lonely on the shelf. We'll have to get it out. <laughs> you still haven't played it? I haven't played it. Have, have you busted that shrimp, shrink wrap? I have. I have punched it. So I'm halfway done. I just haven't played it. It's strike one. You're almost banned from punched and played. <laughs> I'm on probation. That's right. Punched and played probation. No, this this game is it's really nice. It's really neat. It's like a dice rolling game. Um, you're trying to explore different planets, build your civilization. It's 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 really neat. I mean, it, there's you're trying to colonize these different planets, and you can either do it through diplomacy or you can do it through economics. It's all based upon the die results. And there's some competition. You can land on different planets and do an special ability of that planet. Or you can go and try to colonize and settle that planet. And then you'll be able to actually take control of that. You'll get victory points. And then you're the only one that can activate that special ability by using the utilized colony die. So there's a lot of really neat things. It's it's a very it's a simple game. It's very easy to understand. I found that it, there's still the potential for some analysis paralysis with this. Of, okay, what's my best action here? How do I want to spend my dice? But yeah, you can spend, for example, you can spend culture points to be able to follow the actions that someone else did. So that's a really neat mechanism. So if you have some culture, you can spend it. Maybe you really want to do that action that someone else did. You can spend some of that culture to do that. There's another currency in there that you can spend it to be able to do more rerolls as well. So it has a lot of neat things on it. You have your own little personal playmat. But it's very easy to follow. I enjoyed it quite a bit. I'm looking forward to trying it again. Yeah, I really, really want to play it. I I love that theme and that kind of exploration of finding different planets. and. That's honestly what sold me on it. When I saw the little meeple spaceships, I'm like, okay, yeah. This is much more of an exciting theme to me than the kingdoms, the defenders. So yeah. they're working on a, a Wild West version, I hear, as well. I haven't heard a whole lot about it, but hmm. I think the space theme still wins me over at this point. Puts it over the top. But I look forward to trying that one with you guys. Mm -hmm. So tonight we're going to be talking about, like we mentioned before, creating a themed board game night. And with Halloween right around the corner, it's time to do the obligatory Halloween themed board game night. Mm -hmm. So like we did before with our archaeology themed board game night, we're going to break it down into three categories. Appetizers, main courses, and desserts. So to kind of give you a better reminder of how we conceptualize these different categories, we're going to kind of give you a brief summary of how we think about these different things. So, Clint, when you think about an appetizer, what are we talking about here? Appetizers are, are night starters. They're the one. They're the thing that's going to kick off. Hopefully, it's going to get the the blood pump in a little bit. It's going to get the people talking. 
really kind of set the mood for the night. It Usually it's not going to be your heaviest hitter, but it's going to get people moving and uh, it's going to get some excitement going. And we're talking about main courses. What are you looking for in a main course, Jonathan? Something delicious. Mm, cardboard. Mm-hmm. And wood. Delicious. But also something that is going to be the centerpiece of the evening. It's going to be a longer game. It's probably going to be a little heavier game. Something that captures the essence of the theme, in this case, Halloween. And a dessert, that's kind of something to finish off the night with. Something that's a little bit lighter, doesn't require a lot of brain power. Just something to kind of unwind, to still kind of capture that overall feeling that we are going for that was set up from the appetizer and the main course. So something short, to the point, kind of wrap things up for the night. So when we're looking for games that fit this Halloween sort of theme, what are some of the type of things that come to your to your mind when you're coming up with games in this category? Like, what makes a game a good game for Halloween? I'm thinking atmosphere first and foremost. I want to feel the, the Halloween theme, the spooky, you know, I'm thinking monsters, I'm thinking ghosts, and... I really want to feel like like I'm in Halloween, like it's a Halloween party. So theme is, I think, jumps up super high when it comes to... It's more important to me when it comes to a Halloween game than, than some other themes. Okay. So do you view more of these Halloween games, perhaps more on the... We're thinking about the spectrum of Ameritrash, more luck and theme, versus more of the Euro game, which is more strategy, perhaps lighter on the theme? Is that you kind of see it that way, or do you see that somewhere in the middle? Or I don't know. I'm not sure. For me, I I I, I really want a story to be told. I, I really want to when I talk about the Halloween theme, I want to be able to talk about you know, hey, remember that one time over just a good you know euro solid get victory points and stuff. I want to be able to tell a story. So you're willing to give up some of the more of the strategy side. Yeah. Sacrifice that in favor of the flavor of it. I guess. Absolutely. In favor of the flavor. <laughs> Jonathan, any thoughts of what you're looking for in terms of Halloween games? No. Great. Such a valuable contributor to the podcast. <laughs> Let's just jump right into this. So our appetizer. Clint, you have our top selection for the appetizer. Yeah, and the funny thing is I really was excited about this. The first game that came to my mind was a game. It's called Fearsome Floors. It's by uh, oh, Freedom, and Freeze. Freedom and Freeze. I was going to say, I was thinking Rhino Kinesi for some reason. But no! Power Grid! Yeah. There's Strike 2. Freedom and, Freedom and Freeze. This is a game that I don't think gets a lot of buzz. Uh, most people don't know about Fearsome Floors, but it is a fantastic game. It goes from two to seven players. It plays in about 60 to 75 minutes. But the idea is that you are all, you have a little group of people between, I think, three to four people depending on the player count and you're trying to get these people out of this haunted house and this haunted house is just a gruesome place it's got it's got pillars it's got blocks but it's got blood slippy slides and it's got a bunch of different things and you're just trying to get your people from one end of this huge room to another the only problem with that though is that there is a frankenstein monster that is out to get you and you get to construct this monster, right? Uh, yes, and you have a bunch of different things. You can do like a you can do a Frankenstein, you can do like a like a fleshy inside out monster. It's a bunch of you can do a bunch of different things. It's really you can do a vampire. And and the cool thing is is you can construct it 
like they have all these little pieces so we do like some amalgamation of of a bunch of the spooky monsters of course yeah but the idea is that after everybody makes a move each of your discs has a number on it and there are two sides the number adds up to seven so if you have one that has a three you're going to move three then you're going to flip over your disc and next turn you're going to move four Uh, if you have one that moves six next turn you're going to move one and so you got to kind of plan those movements but after everybody makes their moves of all their people, the monster flips over one of these little tomb pieces of cardboard. And you flip it over, and it's going to usually have a number on there, like uh, six or seven. And the monster's going to take make seven movements forward. And that monster's going to keep moving forward until whenever he moves forward, he looks left and right. You know, he's looking around. But if he sees somebody to his left or his right, he's going to turn to move towards that person. He's going after that person. And every single time he moves, he checks left and right. So he could turn on to move towards somebody, take a couple steps, and then see somebody to his left that's even closer than that than that other person. And he'll turn to get them. So it really, about two or three turns in, it, it is chaos. You think that your person's perfectly safe. And then all of a sudden, the monster just just turns on you. But the but the fun thing about the game, though, is that you flip over these these tiles for the number. But on two or three of the the tiles, there's a cross, and there's either one cross or two crosses. And when that happens, the monster literally moves as many times as he as he wants until he gets somebody. So you're running and you're thinking you're safe, and then all of a sudden this guy does a cross and he just the monster is moving all over the place to look for somebody. It really is a fantastic game. It's perfect for what it is. Sixty minutes is how we play it. The first time I played this game, it was we had one person that just could not make it. Like they measured out every decision. The next time we brought out the game, we put a timer to it because the whole idea is that you're running. You're not thinking to yourself, hmm, you know, what move am I going to do? We put a little 20-second timer. Totally changed the game for the better. The game was frantic. It stuck to the time limit, and everybody had a fantastic time. And after a little bit, we didn't even need the timer because we just, we really kind of got into that theme of, hey, we're running, we're running quick. Right. And your goal is, like I said, to get to the other side of the room. It's almost always a, you know, oh my gosh, I thought I was going to get there, then the monster turned on me. It is, it is a great game. Perfect appetizer. Gets the blood pumping. It uh, gets people talking. It can go up to seven, but I usually had four couples come. And so I, I mo- just moved the monster. And so you can have up to eight. And it really is. A, it's, it's a blast. I really think it's perfect for the, the theme. Yeah. So if you treat it as like the, uh, the race game that it is, it will keep it at a good click then. It's perfect. Yes, it's perfect. And I say it's it's a must. It's a must because if you if you take too long, it really, like I said, it, it kills that tension that that game really tries to create. So excellent, and this game is still fairly widely available. I've seen it in game stores quite a bit. I, I like Freeman Freese's stuff. I just haven't picked this one up. It's it's really a winner. It's what I really highly recommend it. Great. So we always like to give some alternative options for appetizers as well. So Jonathan, you have an alternate option for us here. I certainly do. Uh, my game is just a little bit longer than Fearsome Floors. It is uh, City of Horror, and uh, this is a great game to kind of get you in that mood because you are in a desperate situation. You have a couple survivors. You're trying to save, you know, as many of your survivors as you can, and you're in a little town square area, 
where zombies are coming in more and more every round. You have several different locations you can go to. You can go to the hospital and hide out. You can go to the church. You can climb up on the water tower and be able to see, you know, what the next wave of zombies is going to be. You're, you're able to kind of look into the future of the cards that are coming. If there's not enough spaces, you pick your movement at the same time as everyone else. If you, there's not enough spaces for you when you try to move into a place, you get left out into the center of town. And uh, there's some food you could possibly pick up there, but, you know, there's many zombies there, and you're it's very difficult to survive out there. Kinds of little things that you can do. Ultimately, it gets to the point where... If an area, a building gets overrun, you've got to throw out somebody to the zombies, and that's where this game kicks in. Suddenly becomes a negotiation game. And it's it's less about the zombies at that point as it is, you know, what are your fellow survivors going to do? You know, can you trust them? You can make all kinds of deals with people. Frequently, people have been backstabbed. Yeah, and each character, each person, survivor that you have has a special ability. So like the little boy or little girl, they can become invisible for a round so they can hide and they can't be thrown out that round. <laughs> the thing is whenever you use your special ability, you flip your card over and now they're now worth fewer points at the end of the game. So you don't want to use those special abilities, but really you're going to find you're in this really tough situation. Do I use those abilities to stay alive and sacrifice the points or what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. You've also got to, uh, in addition to surviving till the end of the game when the helicopter comes to pick you up, you also have to acquire a little syringe token. An antidote. Yeah, an antidote for each of your characters in order for them to actually be picked up by the helicopter. So it's very frantic. It really encourages you to move. You can't really just camp down. You can camp out a little bit, but you want to be moving your people around to try to get those valuable syringes and other item cards because... You can throw off dynamite, and and there's places that will actually explode, so the water tower can actually collapse, and it no longer becomes available, an available space. The armory can blow up, and you, that's where you get a bunch of weapons. So each location has a special thing as well. So it's a very unique... It's a zombie game, just like with Dead of Winter. It's a zombie game, but it's kind of the... Uh, it's, it's really not about the zombies. It kind of is, but you're, it's really a negotiation game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So why do you like this game so much? It's kind of surprising because I don't know that I love negotiation games in general um, or any games. Um, but <laughs> I don't know. There's something about it. It's just kind of fun to try to make those negotiations. You can't take it too seriously. I've had games this get a little bit intense. I've had people maybe not come back over to my house again after we played this, it seems like. Um, and I just randomly threw them out on the street just for the fun of it. But it's it's a fun game. Chaos. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I have never played this game, and I think that's one of the reasons why I haven't, is that negotiation, the tendency of people getting their, their feelings hurt. Uh, but I think that if you're in the right spirit of the game, I you can... Uh, at night, at 60 to 90 minutes, you're, you're right in the line of, of where it, it really does hurt if you've had somebody survive for 60 minutes, and then all of a sudden somebody's like, nope. Well, here's the thing. Everybody is going to lose a survivor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I have sure. not encountered a game where someone had all their people make it through. Mm-hmm. So you know you're going to get backstabbed. I think you have to go in with that mentality that if someone dishes it out to you, dish it right back. Yeah. And you got to go with that, roll with the punches. But again, I think you need to be upfront with your group as to what to expect. Yeah. I'd be interested in playing this one. Well, it'll definitely come out at our, at our next uh, monthly meeting. I can promise you that. So my alternate game for an appetizer is one that was kind of the the gem of board game geek 
con last year for me, which is Mysterium. And they just put out the English version. People have been waiting for this. People have been getting the Polish and the Italian and the Ukrainian version because this game is so great that it's it's worth it's worth having. They've changed some things with the English version. They've added some new things. They've changed the end game. That seems to be the thing that keeps changing a bit. But what makes Mysterium so wonderful is that it's a collaboration game. Mm-hmm. One person is the ghost, and they are going to be giving the psychics that have come to this house, this abandoned haunted house, to try to figure out who was the real culprit of this murder that happened a hundred years ago. And so at night, these psychics will have these visions, these dreams that the ghost gives to them. And they'll have to try to figure out, are these clues that are very abstract, kind of like Dixit cards? What is the ghost trying to communicate to me? You can give as many or as few cards as you want to a, a certain psychic, but then you have to look at, okay, I know I'm looking to figure out what murder weapon was used. And you're trying to figure out, okay, there's a lot of metal in this one. And, oh, there's a lot of purple in here. Okay, you're, you're pointing out to the Chinese, you know, throwing star here. So you're having to get in the mind of the ghost and try to figure out. So it's kind of this spooky sort of, the ghost can't talk, giving you clues. Everyone's getting in on the conversation, trying to give you their two cents. You might be completely on the right track. And then someone else will take you down the wrong direction, and the ghost just has to sit there and bear it. Um, but it's a wonderful game. It's I always describe it as clue with meets Dixit, because essentially you're trying to figure out who the murderer was, where it took place, and what item they used. But you're doing it through these beautifully drawn abstract art cards that you're giving the investigators as dreams. So it's a lot of fun. I would definitely say that this game can drag a little bit if you have too many players. It can go up to seven players. So you can have six psychics and one ghost. I would really say that four to five is what you want to have. Yeah. I think that is kind of the sweet spot. It's a lot of fun playing with seven, especially if they're experienced. But if you're playing with new people, I really think keeping up to four to five really kind of makes it makes it shine quite a bit. Yeah, I I played this. I played. I think I played your copy. Went out and bought it. Uh, went out and pre-ordered it. It I it fits. I think it gives that Halloween again. It's that atmosphere of that game, and it's cooperative, which is really you know I tend to lean towards cooperative in those higher player counts. So yeah. I, big thumbs up for me. And I have not encountered someone who said, "Oh man, I just didn't enjoy that." So I'm, I'm I imagine there's got to be someone out there who just like this is not my thing, but. Steps and leaps and bounds, it's just an overwhelming success for me. Wonderful game. All right, so now we're going to move on to the meaty part of the game night, the main course. And so we were looking at all of our Halloween-themed games, and we have a lot of games that could possibly fit within this category. So it was, it was pretty tough to kind of figure out what we wanted to have in this category. But there was definitely one that I think we all agreed upon that was really kind of the game. The only thing with this game is it can be on the long side. So this might turn into not just the main course, but the event. (laughs) And our game, we are going with Eldritch Horror. I think, again, we've talked a lot about comparisons between Arkham and Eldritch Horror, the Lovecraftian Cthulhu-themed adventure game. Like, Arkham takes place in the city of Arkham. You're going around to different locations. It's really neat to be able to kind of explore the different parts of town. It's really neat. You've got monsters that are crawling through the town. But 
for us, Eldritch Horror really takes it to, on a global scale. It makes it like a grand adventure. You don't have to worry about those monsters that are kind of moving, and it takes away some of the fiddliness of Arkham. Some people will completely disagree with us and say Arkham is a better game. If that's the case, I think Arkham would certainly be a decent alternative to this. But in my book, I will go with Eldritch Horror every time. Yeah, Arkham is the guaranteed all-night game. Eldritch, I think you at least have a chance of getting maybe another one of these games in. Yeah. But at the beginning of the game, you have a great old one that you are trying to prevent from coming into into our realm. And so you're going to be going around solving mysteries, doing some investigations, going all around the world trying to solve these different mysteries. So it has a little bit more of a narrative feel to it. Uh, we've talked about this before, that with Eldritch Horror, there's Forsaken Lore is a small box expansion, which really expands the number of scenarios that you can play within the card, enough, uh, more encounters. If you're, if you're not a veteran of this game, I think you can definitely get by with just the base game of Eldritch. But if you really want to have lots of variety, that Forsaken Lore expansion is pretty ne- a necessary expansion for this particular game we, we talked about previously in our expansions podcast. But... Again, it has the horror. You're having to balance trying to be able to keep yourself healthy and physically able to keep going and still managing your mental health. So you're having to make sure you're not going insane while fighting these horrible things. So it really brings in that horror, fighting these horrible monsters, um, encountering very strange things. It's a very cool experience. Um, there's a lot of, There's a lot that's offered in that, and you just don't know what to really expect half the time. Mm-hmm. So... What of your what are your thoughts on Eldritch? Because I know we all agree that this is a, a one of our top games for a Halloween themed board game night. It is a very long game, but it's also very fun. You know, I've enjoyed this one. I love the different characters. I love you know trying to strategize and see you know what is my character good at? How can I develop my character? How can I contribute to the team? Where can I be traveling in the world? What what what? I love the teamwork aspect of this, and also you know kind of the character development. Can I develop some skills? Can I acquire some items? Can I make my character do what they should be able to do? Yep. And that's what there's some very unique characters in there. And I, I mean, the one time I remember playing with Clint, him playing the jazz player. Smooth, smooth jazz. Smooth jazz. Yeah. I mean, it was just, it just, it still sticks in my mind. You can have a really great time. You can really play your characters quite a bit. I know that Ashcan Pete is not in Eldritch. A horror button, Ar- Arkham horror, but we had a guy who would always play Ashcan Pete, and he would always play up that character. So I really feel like the Arkham and Eldritch really have a lot to offer. It really kind of what it depends upon what you're looking for. For for me, I feel like Eldritch actually takes less time. It's more streamlined. It can still take a long time. Don't get me wrong, but I feel like because it's more streamlined, you can definitely get through the game, have that same general experience, and still be able to get other games fit into your game night. Yeah, I think Eldritch is Arkham without the micromanaging, you know, the pulling the monsters out of the bag and putting them on there and moving them around. I think after you clear that out, you really let the narrative shine. Mm-hmm. When we played our, our time... Uh, I felt like I had a, a good, strong narrative, and I felt like I wasn't getting bogged down, you know, fighting a million monsters, even though that was fun. But mm-hmm. some of these checks that we were making kind of gave me that same feeling without all the the work of having to micromanage. So I, I know I'm buying this at some point, but it's one of those ones that I play maybe once or twice a year, so I'm, I... 
I'm excited to break that out with Sean's copy this month. So, All right. So who else has an alternative for the main course? My alternative, sadly enough, also features zombies as a main character. Uh, and that would be the aforementioned Dead of Winter. It's perfect length for this type of game. It will take you hour and a half, two hours maybe. You've got the zombies. You've got the possibility of a betrayer. You've got all that kind of tension going on, and I think it would be a great, you know, centerpiece. So what makes this, I mean, it's kind of bringing in the kind of the winter, the cold. It's a little bit different, but what makes this a a good Halloween game for you? For me, it's, you know, the the horror. There's a little bit of that psychological horror that really gets to you. you know, once again, we've talked about this narrative, the narrative in this game over and over again, but the choices you have to make in those crossroads cards, if you take them seriously, if you haven't become jaded and cynical, um, <laughs> you know, you really make those difficult, painful choices, and it happens game after game. Um, you know, are you going to take in those little hungry waifs on the street? Or are you going to let them fend for themselves? You know, and then just that that feeling of, you know, is the person sitting next to me who's who's been so helpful so far? You know, are they really on the same side as I am? The last game we played, I had the hoarder win condition. And, I mean, from the very first round of the game, I was already lying about what I had in my hand. I had no fuel. I couldn't help. <laughs> and I was already off, you know. And I wasn't even the, the betrayer, but, you know. The the tension as you see zombie after zombie fill up those those spots, we we basically got overrun in several places. We got overwhelmed and we were never never able to uh, to get caught back up on that. You know, for me, when I think about like eldritch horror, you're fighting these great horrible unspeakable things, these creatures, right? So these these horrible things that you're fighting against. In Dead of Winter, you're fighting against the zombies, but really. I don't think the zombies, that's not really what you're fighting against here. It's really the fellow players. The paranoia. The the, it, the psychology of it. It's really showcasing how horrible humans can be. Mm-hmm. It's really putting you, what, how they behave in these really desperate situations. It reminds me a little bit of the video game The Last of Us, where you're it's you're just in this really tough situation, and you've got it's not they're not quite zombies in that in that game, but it's not about that. It's about how do people adapt to these horrible situations. That's what I love about Dead of Winter. It really highlights the horror within all of us. I think that's one of the really cool things about Dead of Winter. Oh, I think that's perfect. Yeah, my game that I that I wanted to bring to the main course is a game. Is ghost stories? Oh, uh, have you guys? You've played. You've both have played ghost stories, yes. correct? Oh, it's yes. it's brittle. Uh, ghost stories. Uh, the fun thing that I always like to tell people is is that it, the designer for ghost stories was is Antoine Bauza, uh, who is of Seven Wonders fame. Happy go lucky guy. Uh, really, really love ghost stories. If I had to do a top ten cooperative game, this would be up there. In one or two, I'd have to. I'd have to think. It is a fantastic game. It's one to four players. It's it's very streamlined. You're trying to you're these four ninjas. You're trying to protect this town as all of these monsters are pushing in on you, and you're fighting. You're rolling dice to make sure to match the the color 
of of these monsters to defeat them. You have special powers that only you can do. So you kind of play a role in the in the town. You can go to the different towns and the, each of them have like special abilities on them. But the big thing about this game is that it is hard. I've probably played it 10 plus times and I think I've only won like twice. And this is like on normal. It is so hard. And I've had a couple games where we were doing so well. And I think on the last card, we just need to survive this one turn. And it was like, boom, 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 boom. It was like an avalanche and we just got overrun. But uh, this game is quintessential for me. I love it. It's cooperative, of course, so I, I really like it. But the thing that really brings it home for the Halloween theme is the artwork is gorgeous. Each of the the monster cards, I can never I'll always remember this one. It's called it's called it's Sticky Feet. It's this little it's this little girl, and it's just it shows a picture of like this drowned girl walking across the floor, and you, it just sticks with you. Like it's not a kid game. Like the art is not kid. I mean, like the the artwork is is mature and it's it's thing, but it really kind of gets you into that feel. You really feel hopeless. But the two, I can still remember the two times that we've won this game. It was a stand-up, high fives to everyone. It was a, oh my gosh, I can't believe you do that. Like it's the last thing you got to beat is like the great old one, kind of of Eldritch Horror fame. You have to beat this big monster, and you're just barely holding on when this thing comes over. And when you beat them, it's just like, oh my gosh, it really does create a unique one of a kind experience. So. Big, big props to Ghost Stories. And Sean and I have a 100% uh, win record on this one. One for one. Really? Because of Bruce. <laughs> because of Bruce. I would not doubt that. Yeah. Yeah. Is, there's not an easy mode on this, is there? Is it? Is this normal, hard, and then stupidity hard? Uh, I think there is actually an easier version. Maybe we played on easy. I don't know. It, it is. It's hard, and I like that. I like my games. I like to win about a fourth of the time about 25 to 30% is, is a, I love that because it creates that if I, if I, sometimes I died, you die in ghost stories and you're like, that's the best we could have done. We did our best, but I, like I said, I, I really love again, kicks you in the teeth and it's fun. So I don't know how you felt about it. I don't think it just wowed me the first time I played it. I don't know what I was really expecting. I I I feel like it was maybe I was just in over my head. I didn't really know what I was doing. You you get overwhelmed because it's not one that you you never feel like, yeah, we got this. We're cruising. Like you really have you have to have a couple amazing dice rolls because you roll dice, so you're at the whims of the dice. You have to have some really good dice rolling, and then like at the last moment, you're just like throwing the dice, and you're like, if I roll if I roll two greens, we're out of here. And I, like I said, I've had some times. I've had some times when we failed miserably, but we had a couple guys with like, some really great roles, and we still talk about it. We lost miserably, but I was like, remember that one time when you were like super hot, and you were like rolling all these awesome dice? Uh, it really is. Like I said, it, it's it's hard, but but really fun. I think it's one of those games. I think you need to give it more than one try. Oh, yeah, you have to get a strategy down. It's one that rewards multiple plays. Absolutely. Sure. All right, so that brings us to the desserts. So something to finish off our game night with. So what is our top choice for our Halloween-themed dessert? I would say it would be uh, Werewolf, Ultimate Werewolf, or maybe One Night Ultimate Werewolf, depending on 
what your constraints are, especially a uh, number of people would be a good consideration. Werewolf's just a great game because you have obviously the werewolves. You've got other roles you can throw in there, vampires, uh, maybe some other monsters and creatures in some of the expansions. But, you know, just a great game. Everybody can relax, unwind a little bit, a little more accusations thrown around, get that feeling of, you know, a little bit of feeling of dread if you're a poor, helpless villager awaiting your doom. And then uh, the One Night um, Ultimate Werewolf version, you know, just kind of compresses that down to the 10-minute experience or, or whatever, and you, you get through um, that pretty quickly based upon the app time. And you have different roles and you do different things, but it kind of compresses that experience down a little bit and also better for a smaller group. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a great social deduction game. There's some player elimination, so that's, I think that's one of the things that's nice about the uh, One Night Ultimate Werewolf is it because it cuts down the amount of time it takes. You're not sitting there, oh gosh, I was eaten by by a werewolf, now what am I going to do? It's it's fun to watch, but you, it's not, never much fun to be the first person to get eaten. Yeah. But, but you've had a lot of really great experiences with Werewolf. Yeah, I'd have to say I've probably played, in the last five years, I've probably played Werewolf over 100 times, and that's not hyperbole. I volunteer with a scout group. We have our, our own little logo on our shirts, like our scout shirts, we're Troop 806, and on the, the shirts we have a picture of a werewolf in the middle of on the middle of the shirt the boys just love this game it has it's this it's this weird social experiment feel that everybody that plays it almost always is is talking about it afterwards of i just knew you were a werewolf i knew you were a werewolf the entire time right as you killed me i knew you were going to be a werewolf it it always goes over well it handles 12, 14, where you would think that that's just too many people. It handles it perfectly for with Werewolf. I It's not my favorite game, but it is definitely the game I've played the most over the last five years. It is it For me, I moderate almost all the time, and it's just as fun for me to watch people and how they react. Than, uh, and I like to weave the story for the people, I usually tell funny ways of how people died. It is a real winner for me. I really love it. I think it's one of the things that really separates One Night versus Ultimate Werewolf is that you really need a really strong moderator for Ultimate Werewolf. Mm -hmm. But with One Night, you don't really need to have that moderator. Everyone can play because you have that app that can pretty much serve as the moderator for you. Yeah. Does that make a big difference for you, Jonathan? Yes. Yes. But you do have that really strong moderator. you got Eric Summer. Mm-hmm. My my rule of thumb is if it's under eight, seven or below, one night ultimate werewolf. If you're eight eight players or more, ultimate werewolf is the way to go. Definitely, I think that's a good assessment. Another alternative for the dessert to end your Halloween themed board game night is a little game with these really neat little transparent cards, and the game is called Gloom. And this comes in a couple of different flavors. I have the Cthulhu version, but then you have just the regular Gloom version as well. And there's a lot of different expansions. The point of Gloom is you are you have a, a, several family members, and you're wanting to cause the most pain and misery upon your family before you ultimately kill them. So that is the whole point of, the, of Gloom, is to play uh, modifier cards on your family members and 
tell a story about what's happening to your family as you're playing these cards on your on your family members. It's a very light game. It doesn't require a lot of brain power to be able to get through this, but it's it's a lot of fun, especially if you really get into the characters of what's happening to your to your little girl, you know, that looks like Wednesday from the Adams family, you know. Um, it, it can be a lot of fun. I think if you really play up the storytelling aspects, it's gonna be a nice way to end your evening. You don't have to take it a lot very seriously. There's a lot there's a bit of luck involved with this, but again, you're playing it more for the experience, and it's kind of fun to have your little happy family that doesn't look very happy and just bring them to their untimely demise. Perfect, perfect one. It's people dependent. If you have if you can get some good stories told. I think this is a, this is perfect dessert. You know, you're not really looking to win, uh, but you're just kind of looking to have, like I said, some great times and being late at night, you're going to get some pretty funny stories. Probably. Absolutely. Absolutely. So there is our rundown of our Halloween themed board game night. So our top choices, just kind of you, give you a quick rundown of that. Our top choice for appetizer was fearsome floors. Our top choice for the main course was Eldritch Horror, and then our main choice for the dessert was Ultimate Werewolf or One Night Ultimate Werewolf, depending upon your particular game group needs. So now is an opportunity for us to share any honorable mentions. I think one in particular, uh, when we had Emerson uh, on our podcast, one of his games is Tricks and Treats. It looks like a very light uh, Halloween trick-or-treating themed game, I think it would definitely fit in very nicely here. So if you're looking for something that kind of brings in that trick-or-treating aspect of Halloween a little bit more, I think that'd be a great choice. Are there any honorable mentions that you guys have? Uh, one that I wanted to put in and one that I actually traded for this last year was Elder Sign. I think Elder Sign is the same offset, same theme as uh, Arkham Horror. Uh, you're actually in a museum trying to defeat this the evil one from coming back i feel like it it gives you that arkham El, you know that arkham or eldritch horror feeling in 90 minutes uh and it's quite and it's a little bit more accessible so when i will definitely agree this game gives you a feeling of horror gives me a feeling of horror every time i play it but not in the thematic way that you're describing clint more as in the I never want to play this game again. What don't you like? What do you have against dice? I, I love dice, guys. <laughs> roll for the galaxy. This is a game where I feel like every time I play it, I roll the dice, and there's just not enough I can do to, to mitigate the outcomes. I feel like uh, I just feel like I'm banging my head against the wall every time I play this game. And I just don't have enough choices. And um, I just feel like I don't have any real any real meaningful choices mm-hmm. for me i i love eldritch for i i love um elder sign for the reason why the the choices are a little bit more restricted i i'm a little gun shy bringing out Ark, um arkham or eldritch to for my wife to play but the second that you see dice and you're like you can roll the dice three times and you're trying to get these these symbols that the yahtzee connection kicks in and everybody's on the same page it doesn't take it takes a fraction of the time to set up and teach the rules to the game so while i would say it's not as good it's doesn't quite it's not the thing it's not trying to be it's just it's a different it's a different type of animal but kind of gives you that same theme so now there is the expansion for there's a couple of expansions for Elder Sign, and one of them, Gates of Arkham, actually tries to bring you back into the streets of Arkham. 
And so that really does try to emulate a little bit more of that Arkham Horror feel. I enjoyed that quite a bit. Jonathan, again, just had a horrible time with this, but I enjoyed it quite a bit because I like I like what Arkham attempts to accomplish, and I feel like the Gates of Arkham expansion for Elder Sign brings more of that atmosphere that I liked about Arkham into that dice game. So that's a big winner for me. I have not played that, but that is that's definitely on my thing. What do you think of the other expansion? I mean, the other one, I mean, I know there's other parts to it. You've got the, the curse and the blessing die. Some people like being able to have that. It adds more variety to it. I don't think it's as, as essential necessarily. I don't think any of the expansions for for Elder Sign are really essential. It really comes down to what type of experience do you really want to have. Yeah. The only reason why I haven't done it, when we talked about the expand, you know, in our expansions episode, I like the basics. I like the base thing, and I just, I'm very hesitant. I think it's perfect in the complexity realm. I don't want to add any more complexity. I think it just, it has that kind of sweet spot to it. But the variety, I, I'm tempted by the adding a little extra variety because you can play it. You know, yeah. you might run out of that. I like. I have all the expansions. I like them. I I don't think I would necessarily bring them all in necessarily. I don't think it will add more time per se. I think it comes down to what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. But do you have an honorable mention for us? I do, and I I have to admit I haven't played it yet. But the Cthulhu War, the um, modification of Star Realms deck builder, it's come out. Uh, looks interesting. It looks like something that might be you know a good dessert type game for a couple players and kind of give you that feel of of the Cthulhu experience. Yeah. I've actually heard good things. So Great. And I think the thing is that there are so many great games that could really fit within a Halloween-themed board game night. You've got the secret movement games like uh, Letters from Whitechapel. So -hmm. you've got someone playing Jack the Ripper, committing murders, and then the investigators have to try to track them down. You've got Mm -hmm. Mr. Jack. So if it's a two-player kind of one one investigator versus Mr. Jack trying to figure out who the actual culprit is. So if you only have a couple players, you know, another great game is filled up. You have someone left over. You can play a quick game of Mr. Jack. I mean, there's even a Mice and Mystics DLC that you can download that brings in more of a spooky Halloween-themed story. So there's so many great things out there that you can really bring into a Halloween-themed board game night. So the... uh, your imagination is the limit, I suppose. Love this. Th- I love this holiday. It's one of my favorites. So I'm already, I'm already excited. So I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to this. Now that we've kind of uh, mapped things out, I think we'll have a really great time with this. So that brings us to the punch list. This is the segment where one of us prevents the other two with some random category or classification of a board game. And we have no idea what this is going to be. <laughs> Clint can't wait. Mm-hmm. So we have to then provide a game that we deem as punch-worthy. Perhaps not the best game, but one that we consider a favorite or one that just kind of meshes well with the category or condition that we have been given. So for tonight's punch list, we turn to Mr. Baker. Good evening. You should have done Alfred Hitchcock. Good evening. Good. (laughs) (laughs) All right, hit us with it. Gentlemen, the punch list for this evening, we're going to kind of twist things around a little bit. (laughs) We're going to go with the game in the category of Halloween that you find the most distasteful. 
the but. most unpleasant, the most torturous to play. Hmm. Well, I have a feeling I know what yours is, so lay it on us. Well, I'm going to go ahead and kick, kick it off. And it's not Elder Sign. Um, it's actually another game. The game for me that I find most distasteful uh, with a Halloween-type theme would be Betrayal at House on the Hill. And this is a game, the first time I played it, uh, it was fine. It was okay. It was okay. But in the, the, the play since then, I have grown to like this game less and less and to loathe this game. And to the point where the last time we played it, I just, I played it because somebody wanted to play it. They really wanted to play it, and I kind of felt sorry and said I would play it. And then I felt sorry for myself the rest of the night. Um, but this is a game where I, it's so random. You you never know what's going to happen. You never know who's going to be the betrayer. And if you really think that Elder Sign gives you, you know, little choices and little strategy, this game really is is the epitome of randomness. And it's just, it's too long. It's too long for what it is. Mm-hmm. If we're going to be random craziness, I need it to be short. And so uh, I was trying to think of what game I would play before this, and Terra Mystica came to mind. You guys know, long-term, long-time listeners know Terra Mystica is not my favorite game. But uh, I finally decided I would, I would much rather play Terra Mystica than Betrayal. And uh, even went no, so far... T- tell us how you really feel, please. Went so far as to say that, you know, I would rather be stripped down naked, uh, buried into a pile of fire ants, and play Terra Mystica that way. <laughs> the picture you paint, Jonathan. So, mm. for our next board game night, we're playing Terra Mystica. <laughs> yeah. I like Terra Mystica. But now I can't, now I'm probably not going to be able to play without thinking of Jonathan naked. (laughs) (laughs) Horror! As long as someone brings the calamine lotion. (laughs) Tales of horror. You've ruined this game forever. Yes. (laughs) Do you have a game? I do. Do Go for it. Okay. I actually had one that that is actually might not be a very popular popular response. This is actually going to probably be one of the new hotness things in the next uh, by the end of the year, and that is uh, Fury of Dracula. Uh, Third I've, edition. I've actually had a, I had the opportunity about two or three years ago to play Fury of Dracula. And of course, it's fantasy flight games, and the production value was is amazing, and so I was all excited to play. And I will tell you, it was horrible. We played the game, and of course, the guy who was teaching the game was Dracula. And he, I, I felt like he really wanted to win. And we just, it was a slow march to death. We played the game, and of course, it's the game of your playing and your hunters looking for Dracula. And you know, Dracula has these special cards that are helping him along and he's trying to uh, obtain his goal. And I just remember we were tromping around and we threw in just good deduction skills, found Dracula multiple times. And every single time we found Dracula, Dracula would have a card. Like I like found this awesome weapon. Dracula have cards like discard that card. And then it's like, we're trying to fight Dracula and we had no chance of winning. No chance of winning. Like it was it was like futile 
just to like we were literally banging our heads against the wall and it was a slow drag to like the the sweetest part was when the game ended like i just remember just like oh, sweet release i was just so i was so glad uh i hope that they changed some of the things it felt like dracula had a lot of screw you cards which dracula should have but i felt as a hunter i felt completely powerless completely powerless and uh, really was like, see, some of my friends were playing as the hunters, and we still laugh about how bad it was. Uh, so hopefully the third edition will fix some of those imbalances with Fury of Dracula, and hopefully it's better. But that was that's definitely a, a, was a thumbs, thumbs down for me. And so many people rave about this, you know? I, I don't know. I, I would like to try it. It's it's hidden movement. So I mean, right. it does have that. It does have like the the Jack the Ripper thing. It I like those games. Uh, it's been the worst of the hidden movement games that I've played. Have you you haven't played Spectre Ops yet? Have you? I have not. No, that's that's one that I. Really You're the only one who'll play that with me now. But I I really like because I really loved when we played Letters of Whitechapel. Mm-hmm. I really liked that. I yeah. thought it was fun. I love that deduction type thing. It didn't hurt that we won, but we kind of won as a team. Sure. I really love that. I, I, I really liked that. I'd love, to, I'd love to play Spectre Ops. Great. Well, my game is Dead Panic. Hmm. So, I've never heard of that game. It's it's a zombie re-theme, and it's not just a re-theme. It's its, its own game, but it's taking the concept of Castle Panic. Uh-huh. Okay. But it puts more of a zombie theme in it on it so you're in this cabin and the zombies are all coming towards your cabin mm-hmm. and on on paper it sounds like okay this is gonna take this in a really cool direction I, i'm excited about this jonathan and i got to play this and it was a disappointment for me it it seemingly took forever <laughs> i don't know what was happening i don't think there was any point where we were just slowing down it just seemed to bog down. I felt like it was much too fiddly with like line of sight and stuff like that. And I don't know. On a theme side, yeah, it seems really cool. But in execution, I feel like it really missed the mark for me. If it was shorter, but Jonathan and I were both sitting there and we're just... They're playing Terra Mystica in the other room. <laughs> and I think they probably finished around the same time as a game of Terra Mystica. Yep. That is ridiculous. Yep. Yeah. Now, I think it was like a two-player game of Terra Mystica, but still. I think, I think it was matter. I think it was three-player, but okay. still. Yeah. Still so. way too long. I, I was excited for it at the beginning, overstated its welcome. I just don't feel a strong need to go back to it. I like Castle Panic just fine. I think that's a great cooperative game. I, I don't know. Something just didn't work for me with Dead Panic. Let me let me be the person that is going to speak for a great majority of people, and that is zombies. Let them die. Let's. <laughs> I swear the zombie theme is like acting like a zombie. It just won't die. It just keeps shambling on, and they're like, they're like four or five zombie games like every year. Let's let it. Let's let it breathe. Yeah. You know, let's let it mm-hmm. breathe. I love, I love Dead of Winter. Dead of Winter was a f- fantastic game. I just do not like zombie games. Yeah. I, I, I am done with them. Let them breathe. Let me get away from them. But it just seems that like they just keep chasing you, and they're 
just watch your brains. 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 So we're not playing the new, the new Black Plague Zombicide version? Absolutely not. Oh. I like Cool Mini or not, but I it's just does not. I just, zombies, please. Yeah. And that's why I'm looking forward to the 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 spin-off of Dead of Winter, the new Crossroads game that will still kind of capture those f- themes, but not focus on zombies. I'm pre-ordering that the second it comes out. Yep. Now, again, I I like the reason I like Dead of Winter. It has the zombies as the background, which is fine. They're not the forefront. That's my that's probably that's why it's probably one of my favorite zombie games. Second one would be City of Horror. Mm-hmm. So. Have to play the City of Horror, then we'll be done with zombies. Yes, okay. But I'm just saying, Dead of Winter is so good, I like it in spite of the zombies. Uh, Perfect. That's how good it is. It is. It's a solid game. All right. Well, I think that brings the end of the Punched and Played podcast. But we have one more exciting announcement. We have a brand new in shrink wrap copy of Vault Wars. This is the retail version. It does not have the Kickstarter bonuses or anything like that. We got this free copy for playtesting Vault Wars. I ordered a copy through Kickstarter with the fancy coins. I have no need for two copies, so I'm going to give away my uh, my free copy here. Let me give you a little bit of a flavor about what this game is all about. So let's read the back of the box here. So... When heroes are slain, their treasure-filled storage vaults are abandoned and put up for auction. As an aspiring hero, you must outbid your opponents to win these auctions and acquire the gear you need. Will you triumph by collecting a chest full of gems and artifacts, or go home with a trunk full of junk? Outbid, outbluff, and master the auctions to be victorious in Vault Wars. So this contest is open to anybody within the United States, because um, international shipping is kind of expensive, and we're poor. So uh, we have this nice copy we're going to be giving away. If you'd like to enter for a chance to win, all you have to do is tweet at us, at PunchPlayed, on Twitter, and tell us why you deserve to win a brand new copy of Vault Wars. All you have to do is include the hashtag TrunkFullOfJunk. Alright, so that's all you have to do is send us that uh, hashtag TrunkFullOfJunk at PunchPlayed with why you deserve to win a copy of the game. Alrighty, so until next time, you can like us on Facebook, you can follow us on Twitter at PunchedPlayed, and you can find us on our website at PunchedAndPlayed.com. So until next time, remember, if you're going to punch them, make sure you play them. Yeah.